0: Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Let's take just a quick moment. Turn to the people around you. Uh, maybe you can see someone who you haven't seen in a while or never seen and just say, hey, welcome to real life this morning. Go for it. We used to We made friends with the night, we were headed the wrong way on a one-way track, going nowhere fast. We got used to the dark, we thought this is who we are, and we figured that we were just too far gone. Man, it sounds good to hear the chatter in the room. Uh, if you look around and you see someone that you haven't seen in a while, make sure that you find them before you leave today and say hello. Um, and if there's someone that's not here, uh, reach out to them, th- them this week and just let them know that you miss them. And uh, I'll just say this to everyone. If someone reaches out to you, like, reach back. Like, at least acknowledge the, uh, the effort, All right. So that would be awesome. But today we begin to take a look at uh, the culture that we believe God is trying to create here at Real Life. Now, honestly, this is not just a real life message. This is a message for the people of God. But also, it's a message for those who don't yet consider themselves a part of that. Or those who just don't want anything to do with that. This message today is about the heart of God that you and I would be able to live real in all, uh, in every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, um, and so today we're going to be talking about that. Uh, this truly is a part of what we believe. Uh, we as a as real life community church, what we want to embody when it comes to our relationship with God. You know, it's, it's easy sometimes for us to just kind of go through the motions and do our own thing. But when it comes to being a part of a people who gather together on a uh, regular basis, uh, hopefully regular in your life, uh, but today it's about what does it look like for us to embody the reality that God calls us to live real. So at Real Life, we're going to strive to embody the gospel. That's a term that we hear Uh, about uh, Christianity, the gospel. And for some, you may not quite know what that means. But let me just give you uh, the the snapshot of that. And that is this. The gospel is the good news that God became flesh and blood, moved into the neighborhood, lived the life that you and I are accustomed to, except for one huge difference. He was able to overcome the brokenness that sin wants to wreak havoc on all of our lives. Not only did he live life, but he died a, uh, a, a violent death at the hands of his, uh, his adversaries. Uh, but that was not the end of the story. And uh, three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering death and all of its effects. He appeared to uh, hundreds of people uh, and left his mark on all of them and he ascended back to the Father where he now intercedes on, on our behalf. What does that mean? It means he's there saying, hey, I, these are my people. What can we do to be for them? How can we redeem them? How can we save them? How can we transform them? Jesus Christ is ongoingly interceding for you and I and for the people that aren't, aren't here yet. That is just the gospel in a nutshell. And here, I guess, if I'm going to package it really, really small, if you're going to get anything today, get this. All too often in the world, we have learned to say that we are sinners saved by grace. That's just who we are. I'd like to tweak that just a little bit, because that's not entirely true. You were sinners saved by grace. But the power of God at work in you can give you the power over sin. Now, if you want to live the, uh, the, the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, the danger of that is this, you just continue living a life of brokenness and heartache and sin and selfishness and pride and arrogance and the list goes on. You can just keep doing it because you know that God is going to be there for you when you come back, when you realize, you know what, I'm tired of of that kind of life and I want to come back, Jesus is going to be there for you. That's the grace thing. But we need to understand that if we just continue living a life of sin, banking on God's grace, we're abusing that grace. And that's not the life that God has destined for you. God wants to give you victory over the sin in your life the brokenness in your life, the darkness, the the decay, the destruction, all that kind of stuff. So here's what we're talking about when it comes to being a culture uh, here at Real Life. We are calling you to live real just as we live real. This is not just who we are calling us to, you know, just those in this room, those who call Real Life Community Church their home, but we're calling all people to live real. One of the things that I continually come up against when it comes to uh, my history and ministry is all too often, uh, churches have become those places where people put on masks and come to church. Kind of freaky, isn't it? You know, this is a white mask I picked up at a hobby store. Uh, But I wonder if you were to decorate this to reflect the things that you are hiding from. If you were to decorate this with what uh, what your brokenness is, I wonder what our masks would look like. Maybe that'd be a great thing to do together as a church. We'll buy you all masks and you can decorate them. Sounds very children's church-ish. But maybe, just maybe, sometimes we need to spend some time in children's church. And we need to let our creativity reflect what's going on in our hearts and minds. So I don't know about you this morning, but if you came into this place wearing a mask, can I invite you to take it off? Live real. Can, can we, Real Life Community Church, can we be that place where people would, will know that it, they can take their mask off, exposing the real them, and we're still going to love them? We're still going to have a place for them. Now, this is to all those people who probably aren't listening to me right now, but maybe if they come back and listen to this later, they'll hear me say this. Um, For all of those out there for whom the church has not been a safe place for you, you feel as though the church has been a place of hypocrisy and condemnation. Would you allow us to struggle with what it means to be that place of acceptance and love and we're not always going to get it right but i do believe that we here at real life community church want to be a place where the most broken can come home can find their way to the table to sit and eat and fellowship and share That's who I believe God is calling us as a church to be. So this morning, we're going to take a few moments to consider what it looks like for a church like us to be a people who live real. This is one of those messages that uh, is really challenging to preach. It it kind of brings up what I'm going to call a little ministry trauma in me. Uh, I've preached messages like this before, messages of authenticity and you know, bearing your heart before God. And, and, uh, my anticipation going into all of those messages has been, you know, people are going to flock to an altar. They're going to give their lives over to Jesus and they're going to embrace that life that God has for them. And it's going to be so amazing. And there's just going to be an outpouring of the spirit and it's going to be so, so amazing. But here's what I have found that sometimes after preaching this message, some people say, I am living the real life, even though that real life has nothing to do with the the life God has described in his word for us. And they embrace that and they put God's seal on that, even though God never would put God's seal on that because he's never done that in scripture. Why would he do it today? And sometimes I've seen people actually become more hardened in their their brokenness, in their sin. And uh, as I stand here, I see faces of people who represent that. And my heart continues to hurt and break for them and so this brings to me with this brings up in me a little ministry trauma but here's the good news that i think um, that i think we need to hear this morning it's this that's not always the way it has to work again the end of the story is not your brokenness the end of your story is the God who knows how to do something about your brokenness. So, uh, this morning, my prayer for us is that there would be great clarity in our heart of hearts for what it means to live real. It's been my prayer, and it will be the prayer of this church that we would be that kind of people who would f- who who live fully, transparent, and authentic before God recognizing there are plenty of times when living real it stinks it hurts it's embarrassing it's full of shame but that's never the end of the story when jesus gets involved jesus may find you there but jesus never leaves you there just like adam and eve in the garden after they had broken relationship with god by by doing the very thing god had asked them not to do what did they do? They went and hid in the garden thinking that there was a place that God could not find them. How many times have we played that that role? We have gone hiding from God thinking that God can't find us wherever we're going. We're going to go so far away from faith that God can't. God can find you no matter where you are. There, I mean, when you're, when you're, we played hide and seek here at the church last Sunday night uh, with the teens. And it would be like the person who's got to find you is like walking with you to help you find a hiding spot, but he's not helping you. As he goes with you, he's like, oh, yeah, that's where they're at. I know where they're at. I know exactly where they are at. But let me ask you this question. What if it were okay, normal, and even expected for someone other than God to know your deepest struggle? Okay, God knows, God sees, God's aware, right? But what if we kind of just became that people said, you know what, I don't want just God to know this. I want someone else to know this so that they can help me in the midst of that. God found Adam and Eve right where they were and the rest of the story that we find in scripture is the story of God doing whatever God can do, going out of God's way to bring humanity back into right relationship with him. It isn't always easy. We make mistakes. We fall short. We screw up. But God is always there coming back again and again and again and again. Sinner doesn't always have to be a part of the way you describe yourself. Paul talks about this in a letter he wrote to a church in a town called Corinth. He was writing to a people who saw themselves as part of God's story, but the amazing thing is that God's message is rarely just for the people of God. Let's go to Paul's letter and see if we find ourselves as part of the audience today. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, just a few verses. We now have this light shining in our hearts But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. This is the word of God for people like you and I. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. Another translation of this passage says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. What is the treasure Paul is writing about? The treasure he's talking about is this glory of God. You were created to be a vessel that is filled with the fullness of God. Now, compared to God's fullness, there's no way you and I could ever, ever uh, be understood as being adequate or effective as being a vessel. That's why Paul uses jars of clay. Jars of clay are limited. They're breakable. The bumps and the bruises, they show up, and the capacity is always limited. There's always more that can be poured but at some point, the capacity is limited. So there's a few things that I want to mention to you about what does it mean to live real. And One of them is this. The good news is that God al- always wants to fill clay jars like you and I with his fullness in spite of our situations in life that leave us inadequate. Here's a, a vitally important attitude that we should part- should have as we partner with Jesus and with each other. And it's this, live humble. Live humble. Recognize who you are and where you fit into God's picture. Now, you may not know where you fit into. That's what the church is for, to help you discover that. But see, the opposite of humility is pride and arrogance. Those two things separate us from others. They, uh, they, they humiliate us. But humility makes room for others in our life. Humility isn't just about thinking less of yourself, like putting yourself down, that's not it. Humility is about allowing honesty to clarify in you, your heart, and in your mind that you are a jar of clay that God wants to fill with all of God's fullness. You may have bumps and bruises. Raise your hand if you have bumps and bruises. Come on, everyone, raise them up. You may exhibit cracks and chaos You may be hearing and buying into the lies that our great deceiver has to throw at us, but God loves you, not your chaos. God loves you. You may think those are the same thing. You may be identifying more today by your brokenness, but you may not be able to separate the two because your chaos has taken over your life. But hear me say this. You are not the sum total of your chaos. That is really good news for people like you and I. You are not the sum total of your chaos. Your brokenness, your heartache, your history, the pains, all of that. You are not that. You are destined for something more than that. You are a child of God created in the image of God. You were created to house the glory of God in your life, even though you may have traded that image in For the mediocre monotony of mayhem, that, folks, you are destined for so, so much more. So Paul mentions a few things that people like you and I face all too often. He says, we're pressed on every side, we're perplexed, we're hunted down, we're knocked down, we suffer, and we share in the death of Jesus. That is awful. That's... That's just not a great way to live. But we are all affected by those things. Let's be honest today. You are not the only one who has gone through, is now going through, or will go through those things that are talked about in Paul's letter here. I'm not sure why we think we need to carry ourselves in such a way that hides the reality of our brokenness. Where did we get the idea that this, is better than this I think at the core of our desire to wear masks is this we don't want to be rejected at the core of humanity is this propensity to not like rejection I mean that doesn't feel good that hurts And as a coach on a cross-country team, one of the things that I'm often sensitive to is the ways in which our teammates can reject each other, even jokingly. But rejection hurts. We don't like being ostracized. And so we figure, I need to make myself as manageable, as tangible, so that other people don't have to work so hard, so that they don't have an opportunity to reject me. It's as if the clay jar would say, I need to get painted up in order to fool everyone else into thinking that I'm something that I'm not. I've discovered that sooner or later, hear me, my history of ministry has shown me that sooner or later, everything becomes clear. You may think you can hide really well, but in the end, it comes out. And unfortunately, when it eventually becomes clear and comes out, it's usually a lot harder That had we just been honest to begin with. To live real doesn't mean that we embrace our brokenness. Hear me say this, please. To live real does not mean that we just embrace our brokenness as part of who we are, not at all. To live real means that we recognize our brokenness, but we embrace the one who can do something about that brokenness. That is the end of the story not our brokenness. God wants to give you the victory in life, in our culture. <laughs> there may be no topic these days more volatile than uh, whether or not we wear, are go- have to wear masks or not. There's probably a few other things, but that's one of them. I recognize that uh, we, we just don't even like that conversation anymore. And I know that even in this room, there are people who think that we should, others that think we shouldn't. But, but hear me today. We're not talking about those masks. We are talking about these masks. We are talking about the facades that we put on because we want to hide the true reality of who we are. Because we don't think that uh, this is a place where, where I will be accepted if people really knew what was going on in my head. And can I just be honest with you? Um, honesty is difficult. Uh, as pastor, as one of the pastors of this church, uh, I know that what I am suggesting is going to create a whole lot of work for me. Because as we become transparent then we now have to figure out how do we live in community with those that are very, very different? How do we foster good conversations and recognize that at the end of the day, we can still love each other? Um, Being a place of hospitality costs something. Sure, it costs money, but that's probably the smallest thing that it costs. It, It costs time, energy, um, it, it costs us, every single one of us, something. I wonder sometimes if church might be easier, though, if we were all were to just put on the masks. If we are all to figure out what kind of mask works best and we all put that on, we would be a room, a church, a gathering full of people that all look the same. The problem with that is this god didn't create us that way god created us as very unique (laughs) and sometimes we're even more unique because sin gets a hold of us and takes our uniqueness and makes that the thing that can devastate us the worst But remember, God wants to give us victory. From the beginning of history of God's people, we find our gatherings to be a collection of ragtag ruffians who routinely miss the mark. At times, this is because of our own choices. But sometimes, it's because of the choices of others. And we are the uh, beneficiaries of what their choice does sin is not something that you can ever do by yourself and think that no one else is going to be affected everyone around you is affected by the choices you make and when you choose sin when you choose brokenness when you choose to do your own thing that affects other people it may not be immediate where we realize that but in the end we are all affected I believe God wants this to be a place where we can embrace the messiness of being a place of grace. Uh, we also have to recognize that that somewhere in the middle there is the truth of God. And there has to be, there has to be a, a moment where we recognize God has a great plan for us. And my thoughts on that matter aren't as important as God's thoughts on that matter. And we have to consider that. God knows your heart better than you do. Can we just own that one? You think you may know yourself, but God created you and God knows the wiring behind the scenes of what even you see. It's one thing to be honest with the one who you can't hide from. But what about hiding from the one's That are easy to hide from you can come in this place and you can say the right words you can dress the right part and you can fool a lot of people i know that some of you today are hurting you are struggling and you are doing it on your own but what if what about the person sitting across the room from you today what about the people in your living room, in your house, at your workplace, in your school, your boss, your coworkers? What if they knew you inside and out? Might they reject you? They might. But I hope that that's because they don't get what God has is doing. Maybe they've never experienced the kind of grace that this place is going to offer But what would it look like? And again, I know that I'm just setting myself up for all kinds of emails and phone calls and text messages this week when people say, well, pastor, you preach this and therefore I need to tell you this. One of the most interesting things for pastors is that we often get a front row seat to the brokenness of our congregations. And at times that can be overwhelming. But I don't know of any pastor who is worth their salt who is in a good place themselves who doesn't want you to be honest with them because we recognize that god has more i'm ready to suggest that we have i'm not ready to suggest that we turn our sunday mornings into bear all sessions where we just parade and say you know i I, i've done this this week and uh i'm sorry you know, there might be places for that, but, but we do also need to respect the community. Here's my question for you. God knows you, but is there someone else who knows you completely? Husbands, do your wives know you? Wives, do your husbands know you? Couples, have you created a kind of intimacy in your marriage that you're able to share with each other in spite of what you might think they will do, if you would be honest? Kids, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, coworkers, all of us. Is there someone who knows you completely? Sure, God God does, but is there some another human being? that someone who can put their hand on your shoulder can hug you, can give you a fist bump, can pray with you, can kneel with you, can can live life journeying through the brokenness towards what God has for you? Do you have that in your life? If not, why not? Paul reminds us of the heart of what it means to real life. If to live real means anything, it means to live alive. I want to go to that last verse, verse 10 in our passage. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. There is no period right there. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in your bodies. There is not a period. That's not two different sentences. That's one sentence. God does not cause suffering in your life. Can I just get some kind of an amen there? God does not cause the suffering in your life, but there are times when God might allow that to happen. And this is where there is a very thin theological line that we can walk Sometimes God allows brokenness. Read the book of Job. It's a great example of it. But you see, God was never absent in the midst of Job's brokenness. Neither will God be absent in the midst of yours. But see, when we live in the world as Jesus lived in the world, Jesus himself was affected by the brokenness as you and I are. But here is where partnership with Jesus comes in we might suffer as christ suffered but we can also live as christ lived death is not the end of the story your brokenness your darkness your pain your heartache your decay everything that's not the end of your story resurrection is to live real is to live alive that is really good news. That is where we are headed here. We're not wanting to just be a gathering of broken people who just wallow in our brokenness. No, we gather together so that we can journey together to this thing that Jesus is offering every one of us. And it's better than a mansion in heaven. It's better than a golden streets and all that kind of stuff. It's better than that. Now that's nice, but here's at the heart of it. God wants to give you the kind of resurrected life that he himself is living. That is what a place like Real Life Community Church is going to be all about. That you and I and the people who aren't here yet, the people who are broken and hurting, ready to throw in the towel, that someday, just someday, they would walk through these doors or they would be invited here or you would encounter them out there and they, you would be able to say, can I just share with you something? I learned how to live real one day when I was in your shoes. I learned, I learned that there's a way through this and I'd love to be there for you. Would you be willing to do that with me? So God may not cause the suffering. It might happen, but I tell you what, God can work through the suffering so that you and I can experience the life of Christ. Something in the midst of suffering can help us identify with Jesus. But this is where baptism comes in, and it's so amazing that we are identified with his dying so that we also can be identified with him in his resurrection. That's why I love people coming up out of the water and gasping for air like, "Ah, I'm a new creation. That's what it's all about. In Jesus, suffering and heartache are not the end of the story. Resurrected life is. So let's not settle for suffering. Let's recognize it, let's call it for what it is, but let's not settle for it. Let's strive for the kind of life that only those who have been resurrected can experience. Paul's desire can be our desire. Paul says, not that I have already reached the goal, none of us have, or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort, hear me, I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of it by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, here's three things, forgetting what is behind, and reaching forward to what is ahead i pursue as my goal the prize promised by god's heavenly call in christ jesus church can we forget what's behind not fully but we can work towards that forgetting what is behind that means letting go of those chains forgetting what is behind reaching forward to what is ahead i pursue as my goal the prize that Christ has laid out for me. That is what we at Real Life want to be a part part of. And living real is a part of that. Church, let us be a people who together are passionate about how to live real. Are you willing to do that? I've got one other mask I want to show you this morning. What if This was the mask we put on. Now, the problem with masks always is they're never fully who we are. And I want to give you a clarification to what this mask is not saying. Jesus does not want to become the mask that you put on and take off as it suits your purposes. Jesus wants to take up residence in your heart and from there, transform everything so that there's not even a possibility of you taking that mask off. You're like, yeah, why would I want to do that? That's not me. I'm Jesus. Jesus is in my heart. He's transformed me. He's filled me. I am a clay pot. <laughs> I'm a clay pot. And I am broken and I am marred and I am scarred, but thanks be to Jesus because he continually fills me and tends to my brokenness. Church, stand with me. We need to pray. Are you willing, church, to be that place, to be that people, That first and foremost, live real. Personally, we choose to live real, which is going to be hard for some of us at some times. Well, I'm going to ask something crazy here. I want you to say, yeah, I'm in. And I want you to raise your hand. Are you willing to, to live real personally? Hands down. Are you willing to work together as a church to live real? Hands down. Are you willing to be a place where people in the midst of their worst brokenness can show up and learn that there is another story beyond the brokenness? Um, You know, it's interesting what I just saw Um, there was a lot more quick response to the last one there was a slower response to the first one church there's no way that we can get to the last one without first going through the first one so let's Go to the Father this morning in prayer. Lord God, we come to you this morning and it's really easy to preach a pump-up message about who we're going to be and rally the troops and, you know, hoorah! But this morning, God, I just pray that you would be working in each of our hearts. Help us to recognize that we'll never fully be that church until each and every person chooses to be honest with you, themselves, and others. God, I pray for a few things this morning. One, that uh, for those who don't have that person that they can be fully transparent with, that they would find that. Lord, to this morning, right now, would you put on our hearts and in our minds that person who needs to be that in our life. God, I pray that you would give us the Holy Spirit gumption to uh, go out there and take that step of vulnerability because we want your resurrection more than we want our brokenness. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray that you would humble us before you. Humble us before our families and our coworkers and our neighbors and our And our people, Lord Jesus, I pray you would help us do this so that we can ultimately live fully alive. Jesus, thank you that this is even a possibility. Help us, help us be those people personally, but also together. Lord, we pray this in your name. Do not let us off the hook here, Lord. We pray this in your name amen so here's my benediction for you this morning church let us forget what is behind forget it let's forget what's behind let's reach forward to what is ahead and may we pursue as our goal the prize promised by god through jesus christ church until we meet again Would you just be blessed by the knowledge that Jesus loves you and wants to transform you? And would you bless others by helping them understand that? Go, and until we meet back again, be God's people. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.